Welcome to the Unafraid Podcast, hosted on the OKC First Podcast Network. My name is Zach Lucero, and I am the youth and creative pastor here at OKC First. And from an undisclosed location hidden deep within a bunker where he is rationing obscene amounts of canned beans and starting his coronavirus greeting card business, it's Senior Pastor John Mendorf. How are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing well, Zach. Um, I'm actually... Um here in the room with you, though. That's not okay. <laughs> I think we're sitting like maybe two feet apart. Nope, nope, nope. Six. Six. Six feet apart. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's make it 10 feet. Okay. According, yep. So listeners, we are 10 feet apart and we're not even looking at each other. So also uh, virtually in the room, we have beamed in from space uh, our guest today, who is uh, General Superintendent how do you say that? Emeritus. Emeritus. I was going to say emeritus. You know what? We're going to leave it. Emeritus <laughs> sounds like something you have to rub a salve on. <laughs> sounds like I'm going to catch that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Jo- uh, Dr. Jess Middendorf is here with us today with, uh, with a lengthy title. Uh, General Superintendent Emeritus for the Church, Church of the Nazarene is currently serving as Executive Director for the Center of, for Pastoral Leadership at NTS. Hello, Dr. Middendorf. Hello, Zach and John. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, Dad. And, you know, right off the, the bat here... Wait, wait, wait. You guys are related? Yeah. I just thought it was a coincidence, like the last name thing. There's a lot of Middendorfs out there. <laughs> I thought so. Yeah. The, yeah. They're, they're on every street corner. Yeah, ah, tons of Middendorfs. Okay. Um, Dad, America wants to know, and um, of course we've read on the newspapers, but if you could cover for us hear why it is that you were fired from the general superintendency right quick. That would help us. <laughs> Maybe the truth uh, would should be known. Uh, I left the room before they gave me a chance not to. <laughs> That's good. That's awesome. So not fired. No, not fired. No, no, you've heard it here first. I'm going to clear that <laughs> up. Also wanna... As I've been reminded of several times, I aged out. There. Oh, wow. Man. Did Zach do that? I probably did. <laughs> when I was two. <laughs> um, also want to make sure that our listeners are aware, even though we had some fun with it, we have here at OKC First taken the, 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 the virus very seriously. It's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, and we, we have followed every protocol, and we are continuing to follow it even as we do this podcast today. Um, so dad, we have you on, you have for a long time been one of, if not the, um, theological voice for the church, the guiding theological voice for the church. And you, and you still are in so many different ways. Um, we want to, we want to talk with you about the, the coronavirus, or what do you prefer to call it? Coronavirus or COVID nineteen? Which which one do you or scourge? Which one do you want to call it? Yeah, yeah. Or plague? I'm just referring it referring to it as the virus, but COVID nineteen is another thing that I'm using a lot. Okay. COVID nineteen. Okay. Yeah. And so I, we were discussing before this. This is too important, and and in some respects too scary not to have some fun with it, uh, and not to yeah. to take it a little bit lightly. Um, so my first question to you is. Um, why did God do this? Uh, why, why did it, who was God more angry at Nancy Pelosi or, or Donald Trump? What, who, who do you think? Oh, my word. Not, nothing like diving out of the deep end of the pool. To talk about this thing. <laughs> I, I, I woke up this morning, literally this morning, woke up early. And the first thing on my mind as I got up was John chapter nine, the story of, uh, Jesus and his disciples coming up across a man who was born blind and the disciples asked the intriguing question intriguing to me because uh, who sinned this man or his parents that he would be born blind how could this man sin before he was born to be born blind Uh, was this God's judgment on his parents for their sin of some kind and Jesus immediately defers or deflects the question in some of our English translations, it sounds as if he said God did it so that he could get glory. I think what Jesus is trying to say is this. This kind of stuff happens in a broken world. It's a broken world. But God can get glory from it if we become the channels through whom God can work. And uh, at this point, 
I, I, I read some of the stuff, the, the theories as to why it's here and who's to blame and all that kind of stuff. In, in my mind, that is utterly pointless. The question is not whose fault is this. The reality is this is one of the natural results of living in a sin-ruined world. And chaos reigns at times. And this is one of those times when chaos has reared its ugly head. And the thing for us to do is not to blame. The thing for us to do is to find the way to respond in such a way that the glory goes to God. I believe that God is trying to say to the church right now, this could be a time of phenomenal reordering of the way the church relates to the world and the world relates to the church. Yeah, in the midst of that, there's tremendous lament within the church ranks, including here, um, where we put a pretty high premium on things like embodiment and tangibility. Um, mm-hmm. Can you ta- can you speak to that? Like, what, what's what's some of the fallout? And that could be to either of you. What's some of the fallout of the of COVID nineteen to uh, and and they can be obvious things or or things that um, maybe unintentional things or things that uh, are coming up as we you know as the weeks progress. But what are what are some what's some of the fallout? What are some of the challenges? And and um, what what is the church lamenting during this season? Well, I'm I'm very relational in my theology. I believe that the objective of God is relationship with his creation. And certainly as a result of that relationship with humanity, with all of those created in the image and likeness of God. And so the church, as the embodiment of that, thrives on its togetherness on our ability to connect, to be a part of the body of Christ. In this environment, we find ourselves by necessity uh, in our places of uh, hunkering down, of social distance, of having to find ourselves uh, wanting to care and love deeply people that we particularly within the church, we are with week after week after week, and suddenly, whatever we do for the, for the body of Christ, we have to do remotely. And I think we all should grieve that. Uh, I grieve that. But I think one of the things that I'm also looking forward to is when we can get back together and shake hands and embrace one another, I think that could be a remarkable experience for the church to be back together again. Yeah. <clears throat> We're already starting to say in all of our communications, hey, this is a season, and it might be a long season, but it is a season that will come to an end. And and we will at some point be back together to do what we do, which is to embody the very presence of God among us. Yeah. I, and I, I think you, you, you are starting in the right place, in my opinion. For us to have this conversation, we need to start with hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we can't afford to start with despair. Right? Is this disease serious? Obviously, it's serious. You think of the family in Pennsylvania who this morning, one family has lost two members to death already today. Oh. And uh, several others are infected. And you have to know that the grief in that home is extraordinary. But I don't think we need to fear what is going on here uh, to such an extent that we are in despair. Uh, If we believe what we say we believe about God, he is not contained in a temple someplace, in a cube that is hidden away from everybody behind thick, dark curtains. God has been released from that, and the meeting place of God became his son, and since Pentecost, the meeting place of God was, is with all those who know him and are filled with his spirit. And God is in every place right now, every place, wherever there are people, God is. Yeah. And we, be, we need to be able to celebrate the fact that while we are separate from one another, we still are the body of Christ. And, uh, and we are able to function as the body of Christ. 
and through the miracle of what we're doing right now. You're in Oklahoma City, I'm in Kansas City, and I'm looking at you two. It may not be the most pleasant thing I've ever done, but oh, I'm looking God at you too. in the world? <laughs> Unnecessary but, shots. Uh, man. But we're talking. <laughs> we're looking at one another. Mm-hmm. I've received phone calls this week from people inquiring about Susan and me. I've made phone calls this week inquiring about other people and how they're doing. We're finding it now a good opportunity for us to recover the capacity to communicate with one another, even when we're not in the same room. That may be one of the gifts of this whole experience. Okay, so I'm. Uh, I want us to make sure before we we get done that we come back to this this topic of tangibility. But I think prior to doing that, we need to talk tackle this topic again of lament or lamentation. So, Dad, yeah. we 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 have. I think yeah. we it was pretty quick, but I I think we tipped our hand. We don't. We don't think it's not our belief in our tradition that God somehow started this plague or did this to us. But there's another reason to lament, though, and that would be for that family in Pennsylvania that's lost two people. While we yeah. are saying that that God is not confined to a box, and while we are saying that that God is everywhere, people are still dying. And they so, are still dying. Yes. So how yes. do we? What would you say to that family, or what would you say to the pastor of that church where that family attends, let's say? How do we now navigate this deep hurt and this anger? What What do we say to God now? Yeah, I, I think that's—you're you're exactly on target. And one of the things we have to say is, I don't know what to say. I think we have to be able to say— this is beyond our ability to just simply pass it off as, well, this is pretty bad. No, this is life-changing. As we, in the recent past, have referred to pre-9-11 and post-9-11, our world changed with 9-11. I'm absolutely convinced that this is going to become a new historical reference point for the globe for the U.S., for the church, pre-COVID-19, post-COVID-19. And in the midst of that, we're going to grieve some things that we'll lose and we'll lose forever. We're going to grieve the fact that we will lose people to this disease. It, It is inevitable. It's happening. It's happening right now. We can't just say, oh, I'm so sorry. At some point, we have to weep with those who weep. We have to be able to embrace our own fear. I'll have to confess to you, Susan uh, had the flu a few weeks ago. And uh, I caught a bad cold after that. And my bad cold, no fever, no uh, uh, indication that I had the flu, But my cold came just as they were beginning to talk seriously about the things we might have to do since we have this COVID-19. And I had just been in a meeting with people from around the world. And I came home and was notified later that a man with whom I had a very close connection in an interview I did had been exposed to someone with um, the uh, virus. And so now he was uh, was quarantining and was communicating with us that this had occurred. One of all of us to be aware. Well, when I got this cold, frankly, I was watching my temperature pretty closely. I was uneasy. I, I'm in that uh, seventy plus, seventy seven years old. I'm one of those what? they say should not get this. Seventy seven. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't tell anybody. I'm trying to keep that a secret. Oh, okay, we'll bleep it. <laughs> okay. Zach, you know, the longer he talks, the more I want to ask you as our resident scientist, is there any way that the illness can spread via podcast from Kansas City to Oklahoma <laughs> oh, City? Oh, through ears? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe. Just don't like... I don't know, lick your headphones or something, and you should be fine, I think. Yeah, if the screen begins to smoke, you're in trouble. Oh, Ooh. no. Ooh. 
Well, it's a no-smoking building, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. If yeah, okay. Hey, Dad, how do people pray? And not just, yes, I'm talking about yeah. that family in Pennsylvania. I was, yeah. I am, I am inspired by the people who are gathering to pray and, and using their terminology, not mine, against yeah. the virus. Yeah. I right. am confessing to you, probably the foremost theological influence on my life. I'm confessing to you that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and yet I don't want them to not do it. But yeah. I, but I am yeah. curious as to what you would say. Like, what is what does praying look like or what does praying do for us right now? Well, I, and I think that's a, a great question because we don't know how to pray. Yeah. This is one of those times when we pray and the spirit is interceding for us. When we don't know what to say, the spirit intercedes for us. Right. I do believe that we pray with groans right now. Right. Uh, I, I don't know how to pray against the virus as such and yet at the same time i'm praying that i'm finding myself praying oh god drive this virus away right but at the same time i think i think another prayer we have to pray is lord uh calm my fear lord give me rest and peace and i've prayed that uh repeatedly the last few days lord give me a sense of peace a sense of rest. And I think one of the things that I've found myself praying as well, Lord, thank you for the assurance your word gives to me that you're right here with us. Well, I was going to ask you, can the family in Pennsylvania pray at the top of their lungs, God, why and where are you? Oh, my. I would hope they would. Yeah, me too. I would hope they will pray that. And uh, because at some level, the anger at this loss has to be tangible. Right. It, has, it has to be so real. I don't think we'll ever get to the place where we can watch someone die of a disease like this and say, hmm, too bad. Or that God had a reason. Or that God had a reason, right. I'm, I'm deeply convinced that God is grieving with us. Right, right. I believe God is agonizing with us. And this is one of those places that I agree with the perspective of my friend Tom Ord. Uh, God is wanting everyone and everything to cooperate with what God is trying to do in all right. of this. Uh, God is working. I think God is working with the health care workers. I think God is working in the labs where they're doing everything in their power right now to find the way to create the antidote for this. Right. And I'm grateful for that. So I'm praying for the lab workers. I'm praying for the first-line medical personnel. I'm praying for our uh, our uh, first responders, many of whom do not know what they're running into when they go to uh, pick up someone who is desperately ill and they need to go to the hospital. They don't know what they're going to face. Right? Is this a stroke, a heart attack, or is this the coronavirus? And I think... Uh, we, we have to pray for folks like that, and we should be praying for them. We need to pray for that family in Pennsylvania. I'm praying that someone, some person of faith is with that family in Pennsylvania right now and is sitting there weeping with them. Right. That can facilitate their Not trying to answer all the questions. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think we, we should or can answer the, all the questions. Dad, there is this, this phrase in our manual uh, providential means and agencies. Yes. And so while we are aching out loud and, and maybe even asking the question, God, where are you? Our doctrine, our theology, especially as it has to do with providential means and agencies, yeah, might mean that we can look around and see the fingerprints of God in the person who is working so hard, maybe all night working for a, a vaccine, toward a vaccine or or the worker Absolutely. who's restocking shelves at the grocery store, right? Yeah. Walk us right. through. Absolutely. Teach us a little bit about providential means and agencies and what we mean when we say that. I come from a family with a large number of doctors on my mother's side of the family. And uh, I've watched through the years that family, those members of that family, be involved in uh, health care. While at the same time, I grew up in an environment where we, we rather 
frequently had anointing services to anoint people uh, with oil for the prayer for the sick. You, in your own church, week after week, you have the kneeling altars, the padded altars where they can come to be anointed with oil. We believe that God can heal. We pray that prayer. But we're also convinced that part of the gift of God is the skill and knowledge that God has given to doctors and nurses in medical science. And I deeply believe that those providential means are necessary to us. And when the scientists who've studied all of this and understand epidemiology at the levels in which they understand it, when they are beginning to say, we can slow this down, notice they don't say we can stop it. We can slow this down if we will participate in social distance. And it started with three feet and six feet, and then finally it said, close down the restaurants and the bars, close down the schools, close down the churches. Don't let large crowds be together. I think we need to listen to what they're trying to say to us. That's a providential means. Have you all heard or seen uh, what Martin Luther wrote in response to the Black Plague when he was uh, there? I mean, I, uh, this this word of his that uh, uh, has been posted several times on the Internet, I think is important to us. This is Luther writing, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I have done what he has expected of me, and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person. I shall go freely as stated above. This is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. That's a good word. And it has to do with the use of providential means as well as trusting faith. So, Dad, um, that being the case, you know, I, I've come across a couple of people here recently who, um, one, one a part of our fellowship and another one and not a part of our fellowship, who aren't convinced that this is as big a deal as it's been made out to be. They are both very, very Christian. Yeah. But because they they believe that there is some sort of maybe even a, a partisan political game at play right now, those folks, the, these two that I'm thinking of, aren't quite as eager to take the same precautions that I find that I'm taking. What does it look like for me to interact with them in one in one case, we heard of a story of a family that's a it's a blended family, and the one of the parents is not taking COVID nineteen very seriously and is is not undergoing any of the protocols, and then he sends all the kids to the other the other spouse, and where she is taking it very seriously and she doesn't really know what to do. What what does that interaction between the believer and the non believer look like now? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, the believer and the non-believer as relates to this whole disease experience is uh, a, a delicate tightrope for us. We, as the people of God, have always to remember that our guiding principle for our interrelationships with all of these people is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Holy love must guide our responses to both sides of that divide. Uh, I understand the those who fear that this is more political than it is um, epidemiological, and I and I can appreciate some Christians who feel so strongly that if we just pray against it, we will fix it. Right. But on the other hand, uh, we in our Wesleyan tradition are not science deniers. Right. That's right. This tradition embraces science, understands its place, understands its its promise, also understands its limitations. And when I read the epidemiologist 
when I read the medical personnel, when I read those who deal with pandemics and epidemics and hear them talking about the necessity that in this case in particular, the disease is so contagious. Part of the problem here is that this is a disease much more contagious than some others. It is easier to get it. It is easier to spread it. Uh, And I understand that we have to talk to both sides of the issue when we're dealing with our people. In our own local church here, there are people who feel that it's overblown. Everything we're doing is just unnecessary. And others on the other side who are almost in utter despair that people aren't believing that this is going on. Um, I, I, I guess my greatest fear is this. We will become dismissive of either side. Right. We have to be able to be the people who can minister with grace to those who feel either way, but yet hold to our conviction that science is not opposed to faith. Faith is not opposed to science. And we need to listen carefully to those who are trying to tell us we can help this thing. Uh, the, uh, the spread of this disease is not going to be stopped. I mean, we're not going to stop it. If we can slow it down so that we don't have the kind of spike, and we've, we've all seen what they mean when they talk about let's lower the hump. Let's let's not have all of us sick at the same time. I don't think they're saying lower the hump. I have, you know, Sounds I think it's weirdly dirty. Bend the, <laughs> bend the curve. I cannot believe Zach. Unbelievable. Le- Wait, unbelievable. Me or him? Dad, I'm going to have oh. to issue a staff citation <laughs> to Zach right there. Just wow. Find all oh, I, was, on the I was just going to say bend the curve. You Is, had to take it all the way there. It's yeah, unbelievable. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. yeah unbelievable. <laughs> I, I'm still committed to my language. I think lower the hump is better. <laughs> Sounds like a Geico commercial with the camel in it somewhere. It does, doesn't oh, it? Dang. It does, indeed. <laughs> yeah. I still have the image of 24 camels lined up in the back of a truck on their knees, all of them tied down, driving down the highway in Ethiopia. And to see 24 humps sticking up out of that truck hump is embedded in my memory wow that should go on your business card right there. <laughs> what a story oh my gosh was, i don't know what to do with that anecdote <laughs> uh, you may you may want to cut that one no out. No, no, no no we're leaving that edit, edit. No, no, no. and edit and um you okay for me to ask? Yeah, go ahead, Dad. I love watching you just have a conversation with Dad. Yeah, go ahead, Dad. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry, well, Dad. just just back to the whole idea. Uh, we've got to we've got to minister to all our people. The church can't pick and choose. So we've got to minister to those who feel like we're over overreacting, and say, "Well, we may be, but we're going to err on the side of caution." We're going to have to help those who are in such despair that they're afraid that every person they come in contact with is already affected, infected. And they're going to inevitably get it. We've got to help those folks. Yeah. So we've got uh, despair on one hand and dismiss uh, dismission on the other, and I, we just have to deal with both of those with the church. We don't get to choose that. Our work is to deal with people, all people, wherever they are, the best we possibly can, and trust that the Spirit will guide us, give us wisdom, and help us to communicate appropriately with others. Hopefully, folks listening in are starting to understand. Folks who might be more familiar with me than Dad because they go to our church here are starting to hear where I get some of this stuff. <laughs> but, uh, but Dad, that helps me to transition to this next point, <clears throat> which has to do with tangibility. You and I were at a conference a while back, and we heard, I think it was Leonard Sweet say... Um, that the one thing that the church, as it is trending towards screens and two dimensions, the one thing that that church will never be able to, to duplicate is the capacity and the ministry of healthy and responsible touch. Right. And it strikes me that um, during this time, the things that we aren't going to be able to do are the things that perhaps do the most, and I'm thinking sacraments now, to awaken us to the presence of God that can be found 
in, in the gracious touch of another person during a meet and greet, but also in the tangibility of the, of the elements in a sacramental moment, a sacred moment. Oh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I, uh, what I'm anticipating is at least for a certain percentage of the people, uh, both in the church now and outside the church, who will suddenly realize the necessity of presence. Uh, yeah. read an interesting uh, post on social media from a person who has nothing to do with the church, but all of a sudden has discovered, uh, I miss being with my people. Yeah. I'm not with my people. And uh, I think that's part of what we're going to sense in the church. It may be an opportunity for the church to be able to say to people outside the church, what you're missing out on now, we offer uh, at a level that you will not find anyplace else. Now, in order to say that, the church better get its act together and be far more relational than we have tended to be with people outside the church. We can be very relational with the people we know and love inside the church. It's time for us to be able to be people who bridge across that gap and begin to be a presence for people outside the church and invite them into the tangibility of human touch with a uh, grace that pours through us. This is one of the times when I believe if we'll allow grace to pour through us, we will create a hunger for people to be together with the tangibility of being able to look one another in the face, to be able to handle the sacrament, to be able to understand the tangibility of all of this as a means of deepening our faith. We've got to look for ways to celebrate what we've had that we've not appreciated nearly as much as I think we will when when all this is over. I think that's exactly right. This this will help us. I, I happen to think... Okay, I'll say, like, I think I think this, that of all of the senses that we use in, in faith and in the, the liturgies, liturgies of our faith, I think I think that the one that perhaps makes it most real, makes faith, makes God most real, is the sense of touch. Mm-hmm. And, and since we will be without that for the next who knows how long, uh, at least um, several weeks, let's say. Yeah. I yeah. think what while we will still be able to do the um, the teaching thing, and, and we're going to even do the the pastoral care thing, there there's a real sense in which it will have to be two dimensional for a little while. Mm-hmm. But right. man, I, 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 yeah, I fully agree. But man, we are agree. building an appetite for. I, I'm like, I've I've been writing to the church already. Can you imagine what that first meet and greet's going to be like when we can all yeah. finally be back in the room yeah. that first time like 20 yeah. minutes long yeah that yeah. first time around the table though that first time yeah. around the table now you you said right. it we we probably will come out of this with new policies and new insights and it it, it yeah. might change the way but i don't foresee us changing that touch is indispensable as it has to do with the transmission of faith and the experience of god yeah um I have, a, I have a friend who is right now in the hospital in critical condition, lung infection, uh, infection around his tracheotomy, uh, deep pneumonia, uh, on the verge, uh, well, having a feeding tube, all this kind of stuff. And I asked the, the question, has he been tested for coronavirus? And the response I got back was that he was tested. And what they discovered, he has H1N1. Oh, my. This is, this is years ago, that was the predominant fear. He's in critical condition. It looks like he's coming through it now. But what it reminded me of is we can't assume that, that this moment in time is going to be over and nothing like this will be at work anymore. We're going to think differently about the transmission of disease than we've thought ever. We have to. The only thing that I think comes close to this would be the Black Plague in the Middle Ages and the 1919 Spanish flu epidemic, where millions of people died. And uh, 
it changed the way people related to one another during that era. This will change the way we relate to one another in this era. We will not be the same when this is all over with. But the thing that we can anticipate is the relief of not being in isolation will be, that will be tangible. And we'll be able to get back together and enjoy what it means to be in communication and in contact with other people. Uh, I, I think that's going to be a crucial part of our recovery from all of this. And we'll have to ease back into it because even yet, we will still have times when we're going to have to find out how do we relate to one another when it's still likely that this disease continues to spread to different people. And I, I spent some time in Asia and came to deeply appreciate what to me at first was strange. Uh, in Korea, they bow respectfully. Uh, in, uh, in Japan, uh, they bow. In India, so many times they put the hands together and bow. In Southeast Asia, I saw that a lot. In China, the hands together and the bowing, that, that kind of greeting. When all of a sudden it dawned on me, as strange as that was, I began to see a depth of intimacy in it. When people who were greeting one another, though they did not touch, they looked one another in the eye and then bowed toward one another. And the intimacy of that communication was profound. Once I began to participate in that, I realized it, it meant more to me than I ever dreamed it could. My typical response is to reach out a hand and shake hands. Yeah. Or too. if someone throws their arms around me, I will throw my arms around their shoulders. Yeah. But when you can no longer do that, how do you express the tangibility of my joy at being in relationship with you? I watched Dr. Don Owens, who was our first missionary in Korea, lived there for so many years. And I watched him later. Many, many years after he left Korea, and he had become a uh, professor at Nazarene Seminary and then president of uh, uh, Mid-American Nazarene University and then general superintendent. And I watched him in a number of occasions when he and Koreans that he knew from the past got back together. The intimacy of their communication, and they never touched one another. They would bow toward one another. And the reverential respect they expressed back and forth was so intimate at times, I almost felt like I was an intruder to be close enough to see it. <laughs> How do we create that kind of environment when we get back together? Right, right. Shaking hands may not become the norm for a long time, but how can we look one another in the eye, acknowledge, perhaps the hands in the uh, uh, attitude of prayer or the, the perspective for prayer, the bow. Uh, someone said to me the other day, uh, maybe we get back to bowing and curtsying again. <laughs> uh, not sure how that will work, but the tangibility of relationship, being in one another's presence is going to be important to us. Just give us a quick guess, Dad. When, how long do you think it'll be before we can all get back to touching one another's faces again? <laughs> <laughs> I've been wanting well, to use that joke for weeks. My, I mean, for days, I guess. It feels like this has been going on for weeks. Years, really. It's only been yeah, going on right for now weeks. now it feels like months. Yeah, that Thunder game was only a little, like one, like a week and a day ago. A week and a day ago. A week ago today, we were doing that, that Breaking Bread event and thought yeah. that we had changed the world, only to be told, okay, now you can't do anything like that ever again. It feels like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Dad. Well, go ahead. Sorry. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. I, I don't think we can afford to believe that this is over in two or three weeks. No, I don't think so either. But that makes this next question even more important then. Yeah. We ask everybody on these podcasts the same question. Tell us what hope looks like for you within this particular conversation. Hope to me looks like a recovery of the passion we have for relationship. Mm. Um, I, I, I deeply believe in the concept of holy love. Not love as cheap and shallow as it is made to be in so many ways the term is thrown around in our culture today. But something so deep and meaningful and covenantal that if I say I love you, I would do nothing ever in the world to violate that relationship, 
that covenant that I have with you because we both desperately need that kind of commitment to one another. So part of what I'm hoping to see, what I really believe, I am honest when I say this, I really believe we're going to have a pent-up hunger for relationship. And how we express that uh, so that we, we express the covenant we have with one another and the covenant with God. I go right back to Jesus' question from the Pharisee, what is the greatest commandment of all? And without hesitation, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands, the whole law and the prophets depend. Uh, I, I believe when we talk about holiness in our tradition, that is holiness at its best. Unqualified love for God, unqualified love for my sisters and brothers. Do you think? Uh, do you think that our churches will? So, so church with the capital C seems to me to be like we said before, trending toward the screens and trending toward the two dimensional, which also becomes mm-hmm. a particular kind of message, sort of a disembodied message, which doesn't as as often as I would like at least get involved in all things where societal ills are concerned, and that would include environment. Do you think that yeah. that, that, which I believe to be a God-given ache is what you're talking about there, do you think that God-given ache might actually push us toward a, a fuller, more holistic gospel? I do. I absolutely do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <clears throat> there will be some who love the idea of the screen, but I think they're going to be in the minority, frankly. I think the hunger, both within the church and outside the church, is going to be for relationship. Listen to the people talking about how much they miss the bars and the restaurants. Yeah. What can the church offer in its relational uh, categories? Uh, What can the church offer? How can we better this? How can we improve on this? And I believe the church is going to learn a lot through this, and we could be a better church as a result of it. Again, capital C, the church can be better because of this if we'll allow ourselves to see beyond the limitations this has imposed on us into the potential for the future that we would never have had had we not had this experience. This is why I think pre-COVID-19 and post-COVID-19 are going to be watershed uh, expressions for us will totally be different. Yeah, yeah. The God who makes lemonade doesn't necessarily throw the lemons at you, but helps you to make lemonade. Absolutely, I, and I believe that's going to be true. Who sinned, this man or his parents? Right. And Jesus said, "You've missed the point." How can out of this we draw glory to God? And how he did it was, he said to the man who was blind, "Open your eyes." And he could see it created such consternation for everybody else. But I think it was the whole point of it all was that Jesus was saying, don't walk around blaming and shaming. This is the time to open your heart to what God is really trying to do in this new manifestation of the temple, the place where God and humanity meet. It had been a building. Now it's in a person. Now it's in the church, in my opinion. This is where the... the uh, the the meeting place is not a building. It's the people who gather in a building, and right. we'll love being back together. We are taken together, the Holy of Holies. Absolutely. Yeah. I fully believe that with like all that my heart. I like that a yeah. lot. Okay, yeah. and we also, Dad, like to end with the ridiculous, as you know. Um Avid listener, as you are, to the Unafraid Pod- Podcast. I think I said I'm an podcast. avid listener, and I've right. loved every one thing. of them. Well, very good. Very good. So you kind of know what's coming. You've not been prepared for these rapid-fire questions. I haven't. Oh, All right. my word. Help me. Okay. Ready, Zach? Yeah, yeah. I'll start you with something easy. Uh, what is the color of your toothbrush? Oh, my. Of my toothbrush? Yeah. It is purple. Oh. It's an Oral-B purple. I have to have the same toothbrush every time this one wears out. Same, same. All right. 
You guys are using the same toothbrush? No, no, I don't. No, I don't use this toothbrush. I use the same kind of toothbrush every single time. Super interesting. I don't. It would be tough. We'd have to mail it back and forth. Yeah. It's just not. Like, it'll be. It'll be a lot easier if like we would just move to the same city. Yeah. Dad, can you name your favorite grandson in Oklahoma City? <laughs> oh my goodness! Let me think. Um... Uh, there's, there's a, let's see, is it Andrew? It is Andrew, correct. Ding, ding. Oh, I, wish we had a, like, I, I wish we had a little bell or something. Ding, correct. Wait, 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 here, hold on, just pause. Ding. Got it. Yep, it just came up. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you're going <laughs> to yeah, add it in? Yeah, I just added it. Yeah, I just oh, added it. Yeah, you can't that. hear it right now. <laughs> uh, what is the most human-like name you would name a cat? That I would name a cat? Yeah, sorry. I just went from like zero to 100 really quick. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> oh, my word of honor. Let me think. The most human-like name. Bubba. Bubba. Oh. Bubba the cat. Bubba the cat. <laughs> Speaking of Bubba the cat, what is your favorite Willie Nelson song? <laughs> oh, On the Road Again. Okay. See, the reason I asked that is that one of the, this is um, trivia about Dr. Jess Middendorf. He actually kind of likes Willie Nelson. Oh, he does? Yeah. Didn't you guys go to grade school together or something like that? <laughs> I'm not that old. Spent Friday nights together or something? I don't remember. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, really? You don't have these written down somewhere? No, I really do have them written down. I'm just uh, perusing through my list. This is just the slowest off the draw I've ever been. I'm telling you. Uh, I, I was going to ask you what was the well yeah, I still could uh, what what's the first CD or eight track or record or whatever you used before that what was the first one you ever bought yeah, uh, music music okay uh, well uh, I hate to admit this but I bought an Elvis Presley nice. record what nice yeah. now what so when you were listening to the Elvis Presley record, was there a policy that said you had to smoke while you listened to it? Or was that not yet in? <laughs> no, I bought it without anybody in my family knowing I'd bought it. It was a little 45 or one of the little yeah. small yes. deals with a big hole in the middle. And Do you still have it? I would it? play it when nobody else knew I was playing it. Do you still have it somewhere? Oh, no, no, no. I've moved often enough and mom and dad have moved often enough and her her uh, use of the attic was uh, was uh, intense enough that when my brother and I had to get rid of everything in the house, we didn't look for anything to keep. There you go. Yeah. Me? You? Yeah, Me? Yeah, um, Dad, your favorite cold cereal is what? Uh, let's see. It would be uh, maple pecan in the bare naked brand. Good grief. Wow. We're going to have to do so much editing of this thing. I'm going to have to put thing. like a rating on this. <laughs> <laughs> like an explicit. Wow. Like hide your kids. <laughs> a couple Bare more. A <clears throat> couple more. Uh, what do you do when you can't sleep? I uh, I usually read. And I've found that if I get a real deep book on theology... I can fall asleep in about three minutes. There's only one correct answer to this, though. It's put on a John Middendorf sermon. I knew that was coming somehow. Because <laughs> that's what I do. No, no. when I'm listening to John's sermons, I'm always so nervous about what may come next. I'm not, not about right. to fall asleep. That's fair. He's always writing press releases after my sermon. <laughs> um. If you, if there were to be a, if you were to have a boat, and see, I know he would love to have his own boat. What would you name your boat? Well, I think my favorite name I saw just a little while back. The name of the boat was Why Wait. Ooh, I like that. Now, wait a minute. W-A-I-T or (laughs) (laughs) W-E-I-G-H-T? Well, at this stage of my life, the latter might be a better one, but it said W-A-I-T. Now, you're well-traveled, so what uh, is the strangest thing that you've ever had to eat? Ooh, that's a good that one. That I've ever had to eat? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my word. Eel. Eel? That That's the strangest. Boiled eel. Oh, okay, yeah. And it was alive, right? Yeah, the Slimy, eel, it was alive. Slimy, boiled eel. <laughs> Slithered a lot. <laughs> I mean, truth uh, be known, you were, you were raised in the deep, deep, deep southeast. You might have eaten something stranger than that down there. Boiled okra. <laughs> 
That's not That's weird. <laughs> Maybe we don't mean the same, the same thing when we say weird. <laughs> about about the same thing. Uh, in terms of slime as the boiled eel. Oh, no, that's, that's true. Why that is I was fair. able to eat it. Absolutely true. Hey, Dad, how's Mama Dorf? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, she is doing uh, well. Good. We're at a good place right now. We're trying to stay healthy and staying in and good. all of that. She, she's, she's good. good. In fact, I found during all of this, when I can't touch other people, I thoroughly enjoy just walking by her and putting my hand on her shoulder or touching her face. And... Uh, a few other things that I've enjoyed. Okay, being well, thanks her. everybody Explicit for. Co- <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> thanks everybody for coming uh, <laughs> to this family-friendly. <laughs> Is it hot in here? <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh man, Sweating. this is this has been the most fun we've had in a long yeah, time. Oh my gosh, I needed this. It's a good one, uh, Doctor Middendorf. Thank you so much for hopping on uh, Facetime to have a conversation with us. Uh, we really appreciate you being here. Our first remote guest, by the way. Yeah, you Our are first. first. Oh, was that right? Yeah, well, we conquered. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and thanks for the kind of uh, work you do with this podcast. I I really do enjoy hearing it, and I've recommended it to several people. Oh, that's good. Well, thank you, sir. Love you, Dad. Yeah. Love you, John. Proud of you. Proud of you, Zach. And uh, proud of Oklahoma City First Church. Love you, Dad. Man, I, I appreciate it because I do think, Dad, that yours is still the most reliable theological voice out there. Um, yeah. You're still leading in so many different ways. I love how you you don't mind stirring the pot a little bit on Facebook now. I asked him a while back, now, why are you doing that now? And he says, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not looking for a job. <laughs> 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 Gloves are off. Let's go. I like it. Hey, you know, there's some things you're not supposed to talk about publicly. Oh, okay. We'll edit that out. Yeah, we'll take that everything out. in here. We'll get it. We're probably just going to have to burn this. It's podcast. It's going to be a nine minute podcast. <laughs> I'm just going to light my laptop on fire. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dad. Hey, love you. Thanks love a you lot. Too. Thanks, Dad. All love right. you. Okay. You're welcome. Bye bye. All right. See you. He just won't say I love you. <laughs> yes, he I will. love you. He I love did. you. Zach. He did. Got it. There we go. We got it. See you later. <laughs> Bye.